Welcome to the Dr. Wayne Dyer Radio Podcast. Discover the wisdom and remarkable insights of Dr. Dyer, world-renowned spiritual teacher and foremost authority on how the power of your mind creates your world. I wanted to give you kind of a a book review, a plug maybe. There's this book I've been reading called Unbroken. Have you heard about it? Have I? I have... uh... Not only have I heard about it, I've read it, and, and every one of my children has read it. Really? But, but, I'm, I'm yeah, loving I've, it, and I was going to say, wow, if you haven't read that book yet, you, you mm, really might want to pick it up. Talk about it. I've talked about I've talked about it in my speeches. Louis Zamperini. Yeah. yeah he's, he's alive today. He's 93 years what old. What an incredible story. I was just talking about yeah. it earlier today, and, you know, you, you think you go through adversity, and you hear what this guy's gone through. And, and don't tell me yes, how it ends. Right. I'm, almost, I'm almost through it, right. but he's The saying, ending is very, very powerful to that book, by the way. I mean, is it? The story itself is... It's absolutely astonishing, amazing. I mean, this was a world-class track star who was drafted in World War II and spent 47 days out on the ocean uh, on a raft. Uh, and Unbelievable. That. Jumping sharks. Well, and Right. And then went to a Japanese prisoner of war camp and survived that for two years. And uh, it's an amazing, amazing story. And he's alive. I want to meet him. Uh, uh, the woman who wrote the book, Laura Hillerbrand, also wrote Seabiscuit. Uh, she's a very, very powerful writer. And I've made contact, so I, I want to meet Louie. I'm going to be in New York uh, on the, I think, coming up coming up in September at the I Can Do It. And I think that he's living there. I want to see if I can meet him. He's, wow, well, you have to let me know. He was born a year after my mother. My mother was born in 1916. I believe he was born in 1917. He's 93 or 94 years old. Wow, I didn't uh, know he was uh, still alive. It's it's pretty he's amazing. Still alive, an amazing, amazing man. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'm really I'm really he's, loving it. But you've already read it. So <laughs> I have read it, and and every single one of my you. children has read it as well. Even my my uh, my 20 year old, who uh, you know, this, <clears throat> reading books about war and all of those kinds of things is not uh, is not her thing. But no, it's very 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 powerful and uh, enlightening. And it's, yeah, I you never want to you, you never complain again in your life after you think about what he went Absolutely through. Absolutely not, and it just mm-hmm. makes you think. You know, you really because we're so far removed you know, from World War Two, and, you know, a lot of kids growing up today mm. not had any experience, you know, with Vietnam or anything like that. And right. I guess what we're going through in Iraq, um, you know, but just on that scale, and, and you just don't really realize until you, you read mm. that again, it just kind of brought it all, it all alive for me. And uh, right. yeah, I'm yeah. just, I loved it. It was a wonderful away. book. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was what I did all all day yesterday. I just laid outside <laughs> yeah, that's and it. was when reading Reed this book. told me about it. I had read a review of it in Time Magazine at the same day that Reed had said something to me about reading it, and I started it on Wednesday morning and I finished it Thursday night. And it's uh, it's a long book, so it's it's one of those page turner. Yeah, I get definitely would yeah. recommend it. I'm kind of thinking in my head, who would I cast in the movie for <laughs> for that? <laughs> they are they are they have got the film rights out to that. Yeah. Oh, I'll bet. Yeah. So, so you were right. You were reading Unbroken over the weekend. I was finishing up for a fi- the fourth or fifth time uh, uh, Nikos Kostanzakis's book called on Saint on Saint Francis. Um, he wrote Zorba the Greek and the Last Temptation of Christ and um, the uh, the Greek Passion, and he did a whole thing on Alexander the Great. Uh, some called him the the New York Times called him the greatest novelist of the 20th century. Um, but he has a fictional account of St. Francis, uh, the man who was so influential in my life, who lived in the 13th century. And uh, there was one little paragraph that stood out at this. is at the very end. I want to share it and maybe get your reaction and some of the people out there's reaction as well. Um, 
St. Francis is very close to dying. He had the stigmata. He had, he had uh, his hands and his feet and his side had to be um, had to be bandaged every single day. Otherwise, he would bleed to death. Uh, he was only 45, I believe, when, when he passed away. Um, and um, he's just a, a, few, a few hours from death. And uh, he is he's, he's asked a, a, a question. Uh, and this is the... Uh, and this is his rhetorical uh, response. He says, uh, what is love, my brothers? He asked, opening his arms as though he wished to embrace us. What is love? It is not simply compassion, not simply kindness. In compassion, there are two, the one who suffers and the one who feels compassion. In kindness, there are two, the one who gives and the one who receives. But in love, there is only one. The two join, unite become inseparable. The I and the you vanish. To love means to lose oneself in the beloved. To love means to lose oneself in the beloved. And of course, you know, Jesus said that uh, God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in me, and I in him. So in order to understand who you are, your highest self, which is love, that which we come from, that which we return to, um, you have to figure out a way to transcend the, the duality. And the duality, and, and this, is re, this is relevant not just in terms of, uh, of, of being a loving and a spiritual person. It's true of everything. Um, what we, all, we have to figure out a way to do is, like, let's just say you, you want to manifest a prosperity in your life. Um, <clears throat> you, in order to do that, you have to uh, you have to get past the uh, the I and the that that is me and the prosperity, the thing that I want and myself. Um, that's why Nisargadatta, who's a great teacher of mine uh, in in India, uh, his the title of his uh, uh, his book it was a really a, a biography written about him. It's called "I Am That," uh, and even when uh, you know. God spoke to Moses and identified what his name was. He said, I am that I am. So you be, have to become the that. And when you become the that, uh, you, you, lose, you lose yourself in it and you become it. So that if, you, if prosperity is something that you want for yourself in your life, um, you have to become it. Uh, if, uh, if wellness, uh, you know, healing is something that you want, you have to become it. You have to get past the... There's the thing that I want, and then there's uh, then there's me that is doing the wanting, and this is it's very interesting because you know you've heard me talk many times on this show about uh, Anita Morjani, uh, whose book I'm writing the forward to, and I'm working with her uh, and helping her to uh, to tweak it and to make it a, a an even better book than what she sent. So I've, I've been working with her pretty regularly the last uh, the last few weeks. Uh, her book is called Dying to Be Be, and she she. Had a near-death experience and uh, and was healed of cancer at the very last uh, you know terminal stages of cancer. In fact, no one has ever returned from those advanced stages of uh, of terminal cancer um, and come back and been, had a complete healing like she has. So it was an amazing experience. Um, and Hay House is doing the book, and I'm really proud to write the forward and, and proud to know this beautiful soul. Um, and what she what she said the same thing. It's like. When we, when we talk about awareness, um, what, what she l learned in that near-death experience was that whenever she would put her awareness on someone, 
like her father, who had passed away 10 years before, or like her brother, who was on his way to, uh, on an airplane, on his way to, uh, to see her before she had her last breath, um, or on the doctors or whatever it is. As soon as her awareness would shift uh, off, of, uh, off of herself and onto that being, she would become that person. And I've had that experience on several occasions in my life recently, in fact, uh, on this last tour, on the Experiencing the Miraculous Tour, um, when I was um, speaking uh, in, in Assisi, I, I literally became St. Francis for, I was speaking about him, but I was no longer speaking about him. The passion was so great that I became him, and I literally felt as if he were in my body, and I almost, uh, I almost collapsed in, in, in ecstasy and the passion uh, of, of that moment. And I'm thinking about, you know, how, how do you, you know, what this means and how we can apply this into ourselves. Um, you know, in the Old Testament, in the book of Joel, it says, uh, let the weak man say, I am strong. Um, and it's the, it's the, it's the, I am, which is the name of God. And then what, and then the, that, whatever it is that you want to attract into your life. So whoever you want to become, whatever you would like <clears throat> to attract in your life, uh, whatever you feel is missing from your life and you would like to have, um, you have to be able to place it into your imagination in such a way that you become it. And when you become it, as St. Francis said, it's no longer that you're just a compassionate, kind person. It's that you become, you join those things together. You join the I, that is the, the physical being, with and, and the thing that you want, and it becomes one. And you literally walk through your life as if it, as if you were that. And when you become that, when your awareness shifts to the thing that you want to become and just you begin to live it, and uh, and it's like, and nothing can detract you from it, and you can no nobody's attention, your attention cannot be taken away from it by anything that anybody else says. Um, it's um, it's like having a, such a, a strong burning desire that when you have a, you know, have this desire w- within you, um, it is no longer a desire. It is it is your, it becomes your reality, and as you live this way, and as this becomes your practice, it becomes so firmly entrenched in you that nothing can detract from you, that's when it begins to harden into whatever it is that you would like to attract into your life. So awareness becomes not just um, you're putting your mind on something and then thinking about it then hoping it will show up. It, me- it Awareness means that wherever, at the highest levels where Anita was in, in her near-death experience when she was in the arms of God, every, and, and this, by the way, is true, I think, when, we, uh, when, we're, in our, when we're sleeping and when we're dreaming. That in um, while you're dreaming for one eighth of or one third of your life for eight hours a day, when you are in a dream state, whatever it is that you would like to attract into your life, you just have to put your awareness on it, and and it is there. I was thinking about this in a dream that I had last night about my daughter Summer, who is now t- t- who just turned 28 years old on the 26th of this month, a couple of days ago, and I, we had a long talk, and and she's doing really great, and I was really happy. Um, but last night in my dream, she was uh, she was about five or six years old, and I was I was holding her up in the air like I used to, and just uh, twirling her around and all of that. And 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 as soon as I would put my awareness on her, she was now uh, she was now that 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 six year old child again, uh, and that and that was so real in there. And it's like if if we could learn to take that. You know, Thoreau said that we become, we become our greatest person when we're in our dreams awake. You know, that, that we become a waking dreamer 
and we place our attention on whatever we place our attention on in our dream, it's there. And it isn't just something that, that becomes that We are it. In other words, I was my little daughter, Summer, and, and that was 22 years ago in, in linear time. But uh, when you're in that space, and as, as Anita said and reported back, and it's very hard to even use words to describe what I'm trying to say here. Um, but when you, um, w when, you, when you become something, linear time just disappears. It just dissolves. It's, not, it's no longer a, a part of your life. It's like, it's like it's instantaneous, and the past and the future um, become, bec all, become, all become one. And it's that oneness. It's like the living that oneness. So that if we could just get out of our linear time minds, you know, we, we, every spiritual book you talk about says that there is no such thing as time. You hear that over and over again, that everything is all just now. Well, if the, everything is just happening now, then there's no past. And, then, and there's also no future, that it is all just one big oneness. And as we, as, as St. Francis was saying in there just before he died, that's uh, on just a couple of pages for, uh, before the end of the book where he actually just passes on. Passes on. Um, you take this idea of uh, I want to be compassionate and you become, you, you take the I and the, and the idea of being compassionate, you bring it together and you bring it into love. You take... Uh, you take kindness, and it isn't like I want to be kind towards someone else. It's like I, I, I combine those two things, and I become uh, love. And, and that's what God is. That's our highest self. And we just don't know how to apply it in, uh, in every day in our lives. And I've been giving that a lot of thought. That paragraph just jumped out at me. I don't know. What do you think, Diane? Does that make sense to you or am I just ranting here no it it it, it does but uh, it just makes me think that you're you're saying become you know just be love not say don't say I love right. you yeah be, it is and that's what, what you're that's, talking about. yeah it's like that's it's like you don't it, and it isn't like being loving um, and that's you know that and, and Patanjali spoke about this uh, you know 300 years before the birth of Christ uh, he, he used the word steadfast um, he said, when you're steadfast, which means you never slip, in your abstention of thoughts of harm directed towards yourself and others, that all living creatures will cease to feel fear in your presence. That is, that as if you have only, and that's, I think, the difference between the great saints and, you know, a person like St. Francis, who was really trying to explain to the rest of us who are not saints, um, that, that it isn't about being loving. It's about being loved so that everywhere you go, everything that you encounter. But I think it goes just beyond love because I, I think it goes to, it goes to, um, it goes to health. It goes to abundance. It, it goes to happiness. Um, you become it. And it is something that you're so, uh, it is so much a part of you that there's no, there's there's nothing outside of you. There's no there there, as as Ramdas often says. You discover as you get become more and more enlightened that there's that there's no separation. That you're connected to everything and everyone, and it's all right here in this moment. Hard to put that uh, into words so that it is has practical application. I've tried to do that in Wishes Fulfilled, but uh, I just love that idea of uh, of I am that. And in the meditation that uh, I'm, I'm doing for the, uh, for the book, uh, based on James Twyman's uh, <coughs> The Moses Code, in that meditation, um, 
uh, I use the term, I am that I am. Uh, so God was really saying to Moses, uh, who, if you really want to know who I am, I am, and you just name the that. Anything that you call a that, that's, I am that as well. That, in other words, there's no place that I am not. There's no place that I am not. Right. And if there's no place that I am not, then I'm, I'm in you. And if there's no place that I am, I am not, I'm also in anything that you would like to have attracted into your life because there's no place that I am not. So you're already connected to everything that you want. You just have to be who I am, which is love. I think when anyway. people understand that and they, and they open up to it, it it's going to be really powerful because, the, the du- like you were saying, of the duality, the separation that God is outside of us, when, when he, I'm saying he, <laughs> when mm-hmm. he, he really isn't that way. Right. It's inside all of us and, and, ever, and in everyone. And if we can recognize yeah. that, the better off we'll be. And that's, I think about that in terms of my own life, um, you know, at, at now at the age of 71. But, I mean, I, 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 I grew up in, in, in pretty much abject poverty. Um, didn't have, you know, grew up in orphanages and, uh, and uh, you know, very working class kind of thing. No parents, uh, you know. Just, and yet I have, I have always known that I, I, I am prosperous. I've just always known that. No one, even when I was a little child, was ever able to convince me. That um, that I couldn't have whatever I put my attention on, it just never made any sense to me. I mean, and I often said that most people, and it's just they simply don't know how to make money. They really don't know how to do it. They don't know how to attract abundance into their life, because they think it's something out there that's going to come to them. I think about that when I watch the um, the news, and and I and, and everybody's trying to get on on the president to uh, do something about jobs. That do we have? So much unemployment we have, you know, and all of this. And, and I was talking to my daughter Tracy about this this morning. About uh, you know, the president can't create jobs. Um, that the, the the whole world has changed, especially here in America. America hardly makes anything anymore. Almost everything, you know, in the world of manufacturing isn't made here anymore. We've become a a nation of uh, uh, you know that's mostly focused on service and uh, and, and non manufacturing kinds of work. And yet, so we've got all of these people who just haven't caught up to that, uh, who were raised to believe that if if you have, if there's a factory in your town and the factory closes down, then um, and that factory has just moved and it's now made in China or India or the Philippines or someplace, that so, so, for some reason you have to be unemployed and now you just go on, uh, you you expect the government to just send you money and so on, and I think you know it's like, you, you, people are still stuck thinking. Uh, in, in, in their dichotomies, you know, and, and, and not really dealing with, you know, the fact that um, there's just lots and lots of ways to be employed other than the model that you were handed when you were a kid, when all manufacturing took place in your town or in, in your country or whatever. So now what you have to do is figure out a way to take who you are and, uh, and offer that in the way of service to uh, to other people, what is it that you love? What is it that you're good at? What is it that uh, that just makes you uh, you know feel passion on, on the inside and makes you feel like you're in purpose? Uh, figure out a way to to offer that to to other people and uh, and get off of the unemployment rolls and get out there and employ yourself. To find out more about Dr. Wayne Dyer or any other Hay House author, please visit hayhouse.com. Thank you for listening.